The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 21 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we're taking a look at Avengers number 19, The Coming of the Swordsman. This issue is written by Stan Lee, art by Don Heck, inks by Dick Ayers, and letters by Art Simic. And the issue comes to us in August of 1965. Starting off our issue, this is a really, really great cover. There's not too much words, a little bit, and they're big, but compared to some of the covers we've seen in the past, it's not overly word-heavy. You've got all four of our Avengers, and you've got Swordsman nice and big here in the center, with kind of a cocky swagger, a bit of bravado to him, which is, as we'll find out, very fitting of the character. Also, I really love the color transition in the background, going from the red at the top down towards a very light yellow by the time we reach the gray machinery, and it just looks really cool. Starting off the issue reminds me quite a bit of the opening of Richard III. We have a very Shakespearean opening here. And when I say Richard III, for those who don't know the play, Richard III opens with a great speech, now is the winter of our discontent. And Richard goes on to explain the whole situation that he's in. But then he basically says, because I can't be happy, I'm going to be a villain. So he explains his entire plan for the play right up front to the audience. And that's similar to what Swordsman does here. He tells us that he wants to become an Avenger because with an Avenger's ID, he'll be able to get away with anything. It's a fairly simple plan, but he's very upfront with it. As we'll find out, Swordsman is very self-absorbed and a little egotistical, maybe even borderline narcissistic. Lots of swagger, lots of bravado. And that's not a bad thing. I love a character with a good swagger. I love Captain Kirk, for example. I mean, a lot of us think of him from like the Star Trek movies, which is kind of different. But if you go back and watch the original series, I mean, Kirk really has an air to him that it's understandable why he is the captain and why women just fell for him on the show. Now, the issue proper really starts off with Wanda and Pietro spending an evening, as Stan puts it, minding the store. They're on call, basically, for the Avengers. So they're kind of hanging around in their costumes. Though I appreciate the fact that Scarlet Witch takes off her headpiece when she's sitting around the house. But once again, the Avengers discover there is an intruder in their midst. At least this time, they find out due to an alarm instead of someone attacking them in their living room. So, again, security leaves something to be desired in Avengers Mansion, but we are at least showing improvement. So, of course, because there is an intruder alert, Quicksilver runs off and discovers the swordsman inside Avengers Mansion, and he takes a swing at him. He manages to land a pretty good shot, but swordsman is striking right back at him, using his sword kind of like a propeller. Swordsman is able to do a lot of cool tricks with his sword, and we'll find out a little bit more about that here in just a moment. Now, it's funny because at some point in here, Quicksilver says he shouldn't have pulled his punches. This guy can really fight, and part of me goes, you found a guy, some random person, in your house, and you're gonna pull your punches? So far, anytime someone has showed up in the Avengers Mansion, it's not been a good thing. Like, these aren't like Jehovah's Witnesses or like Girl Scouts selling cookies. It's always a villain of some kind. Just go ahead and let loose. The odds are you're gonna be hitting someone it's okay to hit. 
Now, through this fight, we get to see Scarlet Witch use her powers. And for the first time, at least in Avengers, we get to see her powers kind of go awry in that she uses them on Swordsman. However, they also have a deleterious effect on Quicksilver, causing him to slam into some of the computers that are in the room they're fighting in. So it's one of those things we'll see certainly more and more as the years go on. Wanda's not entirely in control of her powers, and... Her powers are not always going to be used for good. And I don't mean that she'll be evil, although there are times that will happen since that is such a common superhero motif, but just the general fact that because she can't control them, at times they will affect her allies as well as her enemies. Now, as things don't go quite so well for Swordsman, he attempts to convince Wanda and Pietro that, no, he's actually here to join the Avengers. He was just testing them. He had to make sure that they were as good as they said. Unfortunately, Swordsman's arrogance kind of gets in the way, and he feels that because Pietro punched him, he is justified in striking Quicksilver with his sword, just the flat of the blade, not the actual cutting edge. But at this point, basically, the fight is at a standstill, and it's really just a cheap shot and everyone kind of recognizes that. And because of that, the cessation of hostilities is pretty short-lived. But of course, right as things start getting going again, Captain America shows up and helps take down Swordsman. Now at this point, Wanda and Pietro explain that this guy showed up, this is who he claims to be, and that he wanted to join the Avengers. So Cap goes over to the computers, spins them up, because this is, you know, old school 1960s, and they look him up. And they discover that he has been exiled from a dozen countries. So they basically decide that he is not in any way, shape, or form Avengers material. And of course, as they come to this conclusion, however, Swordsman manages to take out the lights for a minute and disappears. Now, while Wanda and Pietro have been, like I said, minding the store, they were getting a little stir-crazy, and Cap recognizes this, so he says, no, if you guys want to go after him, you're probably not going to find him, but if you guys want to go, I'll stay here and I'll keep an eye on things. And so Wanda and Pietro take off after Swordsman, and we get a Captain America training montage. And Cap's letting off a little bit of steam here, too, because he's frustrated that, once again, Nick Fury has still not answered his letter. Cap is just so anxious to get back into the real world, so to speak, and instead of just being a costumed adventurer, that it's really starting to bug him that he hasn't heard anything back from Nick Fury. Now, as it turns out, Nick Fury is nowhere to be found, and we'll see a little bit more of that in just a minute here. But that's the reason. It's not that Nick's been ignoring Cap, it's that Nick has not looked at Cap's letter. So while Cap is training, Hawkeye comes down, and Cap relays what has happened to Hawkeye, and Hawkeye is really stunned at Cap's revelation, and Cap wants to know, well, have you heard of this guy, the Swordsman? And we find out that Hawkeye has, in fact, not only heard of Swordsman, Swordsman practically raised Hawkeye. Hawkeye is an orphan, and as a kid, he used to hang around circuses and carnivals and whatnot, and he met Swordsman, who kind of took him under his wing, and it's not explicitly stated, but the implication here is that Swordsman is the person who trained Hawkeye in how to use a bow. Hawkeye really idolized Swordsman's, you know, Swordsman was the star of the circus show, really the highest caliber of performer, both in the circus and really a master of his craft, of, of using the sword. But as time goes on, Hawkeye discovers that Swordsman has been stealing from the circus, and that Swordsman is convinced that he's owed this money because he's the star. But 
But again, Hawkeye has that streak of wanting to do the right thing, even though sometimes he doesn't always execute it particularly well. So instead of joining Swordsman, he runs off and he's going to tell the owner of the circus. And Swordsman pursues him. Hawkeye manages to get out on the tightrope and attempts to shoot Swordsman with arrows and, you know, unfortunately fails. And then Swordsman cuts the tightrope, effectively assuming that Hawkeye is going to fall to his death. Now, fortunate for Hawkeye and obviously us, Hawkeye is saved because he gets wrapped up in the tightrope. So it arrests his fall. But Hawkeye's kind of hurt by this. The person he idolized so much as a kid and a young adult really is not who he thought it was. So this is really cool because it gives us some background here on Hawkeye. And even more so, the background on Hawkeye is certainly interesting. But this is definitely one of the benefits of having characters that are almost entirely uniquely Avengers. Captain America has his own book that he splits with Iron Man at this point, And eventually he'll have his own books. But because the characters are almost entirely Avengers based, all of the background and the character development that happens is going to happen in the Avengers. So we get to see that and it makes the Avengers feel closer and a little bit more personable. So remember how I said that we were going to talk about the letter to Nick Fury here in just a moment? Well, that moment has arrived. So as Hawkeye is finishing up talking to Cap, we see some diabolical Hydra agents spying on Nick Fury's office. And sitting on Nick Fury's desk is a letter from Captain America. Of course, a letter from Captain America to Nick Fury, that's worth a look to the Hydra agents. So they use a teleportation ray and obtain the letter off of Fury's desk and read it only to really find that basically Captain America begging for a job and it didn't have Nick Fury's location like they'd hoped it would because like I said Nick Fury is, is nowhere to be found at the moment and so Hydra's looking for him so in frustration after reading this letter and finding out that it contains no useful information the Hydra agents throw it out the window and it's picked up by a passerby now, what we find out is that this passerby is a local card shark. And at a back alley card game, it comes to his attention that Swordsman is looking for information that will allow him to trap an Avenger. And he'll pay $1,000 for it. Remember, in the 1960s, that's a ton of money. So this guy's going to be all over that. He's got a letter from Captain America to Nick Fury. Swordsman's got to pay for that, right? So he immediately tells his buddies, you know, deal me out of this hand. I gotta take care of something. And he runs off and finds the swordsman who promptly takes the letter and refuses to pay until after he has trapped Captain America. Again, we see swordsman really, it's all about him, right? He says, oh, I'll pay a thousand dollars. And then when he gets the information, he says, ah, I'll pay you, you know, later once I've trapped him. Once the information's actually useful to me. Very disingenuous. Really, he's kind of the only person that matters in his own universe. So a day goes by and we cut back to Avengers Mansion and we see Cap jumping for joy because Cap has received a letter from Nick Fury. Now what you and I know is that obviously this is a fake letter sent by the swordsman, but Cap is convinced that it is the real thing. And more than that, Cap is just so excited because it, it is exactly what he wants it to be. It is a job offer. So Cap then goes on to explain this to his fellow Avengers, and they're kind of hurt. And Cap gets a little snippy with them. They're saying, you know, what gives you the right to be a part-time Avenger? And Cap says, my entire life gives me the right, mister. When you can point to a record like mine, then I'll discuss it further with you. My issue here is that I think Cap's teammates would be really open to what Cap is going through. Cap gets super defensive here, and it's not helping. His teammates all understand the idea of needing a place and wanting to fit in and to find a home for themselves, somewhere they belong, feeling like they're needed, 
like they have a purpose. That's everything Cap has been going through. So these three people have found it in the Avengers. Cap is looking outside the Avengers. But I think if Cap explained that to them, because they themselves have just been going through this, they would be a lot more understanding of it. They may still be frustrated that Cap is looking to do something else outside the Avengers, but think they would at least understand his motives and be more reasonable and supportive of him in that search. And maybe try and help him find what he's looking for within the team. So, because of the way Captain America responds and acts, Hawkeye feels that he needs to go blow off some steam, right? He's had the revelation that Swordsman has come back, and then now Cap is kind of telling him off. Hawkeye just says, you know, I need some time. I'm going out. I'm going on patrol. And he finds a safe robbery in progress and manages to stop all of the individuals involved. But it turns out that the getaway driver is, in fact, our card shark. And when he is cornered by Hawkeye, our card shark starts babbling about how he he didn't mean to help swordsman trap cap now of course this is news to hawkeye because they had no idea that this letter had been compromised as far as they knew and as far as cap knew the letter cap received from nick fury is genuine nor did they realize that swordsman was even out to trap an avenger so now hawkeye realizes that hey the letter must have been a phony and that Cap's probably in trouble. And we get a little bit of a crisis of conscience here for Hawkeye. He's still kind of pissed at Cap. And he says, why should I butt in? He's a big boy now. And yet, even if he ain't my favorite pinup, I'm still an Avenger. Hawkeye's a little bit torn here, right? He's angry at Cap. He's frustrated. Cap just told him off. It's the, why should I help? He obviously doesn't want to be a part of us. But then Hawkeye remembers, hey, I'm an Avenger. This is my calling. This is what I've signed up to do. And he's my teammate. So whether or not I'm happy with him at the moment, whether or not we're on really good terms, I still need to have his back because that's what I'm here to do. That's, that's what being a team member is about. So he rushes back to Avengers Mansion and gets Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch involved. Now, Cap left it a while ago at this point so the trio is starting to wonder what they can do and while they figure that out we will cut to captain america entering a warehouse where he's supposed to be meeting nick fury and cap kind of thinks to himself you know this is kind of a weird place to meet nick fury and i want to tell cap here you should really stick with your instincts on this one your gut's telling you something for a reason mostly out of self-preservation that's in my experience anytime you get those real good gut feelings like oh man this seems weird and something feels off that is your gut trying to protect itself something bad's about to happen and you should be keenly aware of what is going on around you of course right as cap has this feeling the swordsman appears above him and swings in to attack while Cap manages to get a good shot in with his shield, Swordsman has really a clever move here in that he captures Cap's shield. He slams it to the ground and, and stands on it. So now he's removed Cap's most visible weapon, right? The one that most people think of as a weapon. Now Cap, obviously being the trained soldier that he is, is just as capable with his hands and feet as he is with his shield. But the shield is the obvious choice of weapon to disable. So the two get into quite the fistfight here. So this is a fight that lasts for almost four and a half pages. Obviously, I'm not going to go into a blow by blow because, you know, that's kind of boring for you guys and it doesn't really serve much purpose, but it's a good fight. In the middle of the fight, we do see Wanda and Pietro and Hawkeye tracking down Captain America because they've finally realized that everyone having a homing beacon in their belt would be really helpful. So they track him down to this warehouse. There is a lot of great use of the warehouse itself as a location for the fight. So Cap and Swordsman are pushing boxes onto each other. They're crashing parts all over the place. At one point towards the end, Swordsman is driving a forklift and crashes it into a whole pile of 
of crates and that's kind of the end of the fight and it manages to knock out captain america because the forklift protects swordsman but cap is hanging onto the top and gets banged around a lot it's a really great and dynamic fight so i've used the phrase a dynamic fight a number of times and i realize i haven't explained that very well so i figured i'd take a minute just kind of explain to you what i mean by that what is a dynamic fight and how is that achieved in comics Really what I mean by a dynamic fight is that the panels and what's going on convey a sense of action, a sense of motion, right? You can choreograph a fight scene in a comic where the characters feel very static. They go from pose to pose to pose, but you, the reader, have a hard time connecting those poses with the motions in between, right? It's kind of like looking at a connect the dot drawing without any of the dots connected. Maybe you can kind of see, kind of make out what it is but once you connect those dots the picture becomes so much more clear and that's the case when i talk about a fight being dynamic is that based on the action and the panels that are in front of me i can mentally connect those dots and make the picture even better than it already is Jack Kirby is one of the people who is known best for doing those kinds of fights and being able to feel the action in between the panels. And a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that as a kid, Jack Kirby was really kind of a street brawler and was involved in various local Jewish gangs in New York. So he has a better understanding of the visceral nature of a fight. And of course, this being the 1960s, Jack Kirby really is Marvel's house style. So with the exception of like Steve Ditko, most of the artists at Marvel are trying to imitate Jack Kirby's style. So right about the time that Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye arrive at the warehouse, we find Swordsman up on the top of the building across the street, it looks like. And he has Captain America tied up and is basically making Cap walk the plank. They're both on their knees, but he's inching Cap towards the edge of this outstretched plank. And he is threatening that if the Avengers don't let Swordsman become the new leader of the Avengers, he's going to push Cap off to his death. And our three new Avengers are really beside themselves with what to do they don't know you know it's cap's life on the line and then just as they're trying to come to some kind of decision cap makes the decision for them cap actually throws himself off of the plank and our issue ends so the last three panels kind of go like this because we're too late the swordsman pushed him no he didn't i saw it cap jumped he did it for us so that we wouldn't surrender and that's where the issue leaves off with cap plummeting through the air and the three new avenger members staring rather dumbfounded at what is going on so obviously next issue will pick up there and it's a good issue i've seen without getting too much ahead of ourselves but you know kind of a thrilling end here so I've got a few things I want to talk about for this one. There's a lot going on in this one outside of four pages of really great action at the end here and good action up at the front. Probably the first thing I want to talk about, we get a great insight into Hawkeye in this issue. Firstly, we get Hawkeye's, like a mini Hawkeye origin story. Some of Hawkeye's background, where he learned to use his bow and arrow, his relationship to swordsman, and it also, I think, gives us an insight into his character and personality. Right, I've talked about swordsman being very full of himself, borderline narcissistic, very, you know, swashbuckling, cocksure, all of those kinds of things, and that is very true. We also see a bit of those traits in Hawkeye. Now in Hawkeye, they tend to be tempered by his desire to do good. 
yes, he was an Iron Man villain initially, but that was because he went out on this patrol and got mistaken for a jewel thief and just kind of spiraled himself into a bad situation. A couple bad choices, you know, things just get worse. But even from that point, Hawkeye intended to do good. His execution was a little bit flawed. But because he idolized swordsmen, I think a lot of where Hawkeye's kind of fiery nature, his bravado, Hawkeye's even got a little bit of a swagger at this point in time. I think that's all copying from Swordsman. It's also a really interesting little kind of mini story in there. And the idea of... I'm sure you've heard people say never meet your idols. And the idea is that you shouldn't because they'll never live up to the standards that you have set for them. They're never as good a people as you think they are. Well, in this case, Hawkeye learns that because, you know, this is the man he looks up to. And then he finds out he's stealing from the circus. And he finds out that the man he wants to be like isn't a good person. And, you know, Hawkeye's got to come to terms with that. And to a large extent, it's actually clear to me that he really didn't or really hasn't come to terms with it yet you know because swordsman ran off and hawkeye went and ended up being a villain and then becoming avenger he hasn't really spent the time to i think accept the fact that the person he was most wanting to be like at the time turns out to not be someone he wants to be like anymore that's a really hard lesson for anyone to learn at any age i think that also leads us into the other thing about hawkeye i want to talk about is i really like the fact that hawkeye's way of blowing off steam is to go out on patrol for a couple of reasons. One, it fits his character in terms of, you know, Hawkeye's a bit on the aggressive side. So he's going to go out and he's going to do something physical and he's going to shoot arrows at people and things like that. So there's the physical aggressive aspect of going out on patrol. But there's also the aspect that Hawkeye is going out to do good again. When he is confronted with his fallen idol and the realities of his idol not being a good person, not being someone he wants to emulate, he defaults to going and doing good, being a hero, because that's what Hawkeye wants to be. It's almost like he needs to go out and prove to himself that I'm not like Swordsman. Yes, maybe I have some of those personality traits, and maybe that's someone who I wanted to be like before I really knew what he was like, but that's not me. This me going out on patrol, me stopping a robbery, me putting the bad guys away. That's who I am. So going back on a point I made a little bit earlier, I love the fact that, and I really do, just absolutely love the fact that the Avengers at this point are almost self-contained within the Avengers book. Again, with the exception of Captain America having a split title with Iron Man now, and then in the near future we'll have his own solo title. It allows all of the Avengers important stuff to happen in the Avengers. In the past, with the previous team, most of the important character development stuff, the backstory and all that, happened in their solo books. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? That's kind of the purpose of solo books, is to focus on one character. In a team book like this, obviously you want to spread the love around, right? You want to focus on all the team members at some point or another. That's one of the things, kind of one of the, the benchmarks of how good an Avengers series is, is really how well they manage to balance all the different team members. And in fact, that same kind of thumb rule can be applied to really any team book, whether it's Justice League in DC, whether it's X-Men, Avengers, doesn't really matter. The teams really live or die on how well and how important every team member is. If you've got one or two team members who are the sole focus of the book and then everyone else is kind of background characters, it doesn't really work very well. If you can make me care about the whole team, especially with a large team, then you're really doing something good when it comes to writing. 
But again, getting back to my original point, all of this happens in the Avengers book. So I have to read only one book to get more out of these characters. Yeah, they'll show up in other books and, and you know, they'll get little one shots or short runs and anthology books. And eventually a lot of them will get their own solo titles for some period of time. But I love the fact that I can read the Avengers book and the more Avengers I read, the more in depth about the characters I get. I care about these characters more. The book feels more personable and less sterile, right? It's not just about the problem at hand. It's about the characters too. Whereas with the previous team, I mean, I liked the team. It's the classic Avengers lineup. They're great. But the fact that all of the really personal moments are happening in their solo books means I don't really... I only know the characters as heroes. I only know Iron Man as Iron Man. I don't know him as Tony Stark. Thor is an especially extreme version. I only know Thor as Thor. I don't know Donald Blake. And I don't know Thor outside of Avengers and outside of his adventures on Earth. I don't know Thor and Asgard. I don't get those stories either. And it always felt like it was kind of lacking. Now that the stories are in Avengers, I feel like I have a more complete picture. Finally, the, the last thing I want to talk about is Cap's apparent sacrifice here at the end. This really says a lot about who Captain America is, in that he is willing to give up his life so that his teammates can carry on the Avengers without having to give up their principles, right? You only get to be an Avenger if you've earned it, if you're worthy of it. Swordsman does not deserve to be an Avenger, let alone their leader. And instead of letting his life be used as a bargaining chip or to force the other teammates to make a decision that's detrimental to the team and to their cause, Cap willingly throws himself over the edge so that they don't have to make the decision. He makes the decision for them, makes the hard decision. And it's not that Cap wants to remove their ability to make a decision for themselves, but it's very obvious that this is a decision they don't want to make because they are torn between their principles and their teammates life it's the rock in a hard place kind of statement although cap you know frustrates them they value cap as a teammate and you know as a human being as a living person but the avengers stand for something more than just the individual and they're having a hard time figuring that out and cap says i'm going to change the equation you guys have a couple of variables in play here i'm going to make it really easy here's the answer and again then that goes back to cap's history as a soldier there are times you lay down on the grenade because that's what duty demands you do. In this case, instead of the grenade, it's throwing himself off a building. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 20, Vengeance is Ours. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.